Today we are joined by Pam and our guest, Rob Massey. We've had people ask us to do episodes on how a church can start prayer meetings or houses of prayer, prayer expressions. The reality is the prayer movement is huge. There are many different expressions, and you need to find which ones are right for you in your context. But here at the Burning Rooms Podcast, we like to talk about all the expressions because we love them all. Today, our guest is going to share a little bit how we went in the early days over 14 years ago from no prayer meetings, no house of prayer expression, to building a 24-hour boiler room, actually a few few different boiler rooms, in a community that, that influenced many to help actually build a house of prayer community. For those of you that have a vision for something like this to pioneer a prayer expression, but you don't know where to start, you never know what the Lord's going to do with a small seed, a small vision, and grow it into something beautiful. This live recording here, Jehu has the theme song on his phone, and you're not getting the phone version. Maybe we should do it just, just some time to, you know, compare and contrast. I'm compare surprised and- you don't have a bunch of you know pots and pans around just to just to help you do special effects. I should I should actually have a small piano in front of me and try to play it live. That that'd be right. terrible because when I wrote that theme song, when I played it on the piano, I probably did like 50 takes because I don't actually play piano. The guitar part was a lot easier. <laughs> anyway, welcome to the Burning Roots Podcast. This is a bi-weekly podcast where we connect you with the prayer movement in Canada and beyond, where we have the conversations and share the stories to encourage you and to strengthen you and your corporate and personal prayer life. My name is Johan. I'm Pam. And today, I said in the intro, we are joined by Rob Massey. Welcome to the Burning Roots Podcast, Rob. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. It's great to have you on the podcast today. So, Pam, why are we having this conversation today? And maybe introduce our guest, Rob. Sure. Well, Rob has been my friend for probably the better part of 15, almost 20 years, maybe, when we went on a youth retreat together in Morden, Manitoba. And one of the things I remember about that was them doing a boiler room and this different expression of prayer that I had never even actually heard of. And I wasn't part of any prayer movement, but at our church in Brandon, we had prayer meetings every every week and I was part of those. And so I think it was a, a natural expression, but it was just a more creative, different one. And actually, Rob, you introduced me to a book that weekend called Red Moon Rising, Tell us mm-hmm. more about that. Oh, I get tingles when you say that. It's kind of fun. Yeah, uh, I guess I had just started on staff at, at the Vineyard Church. And, well, I didn't have a lot of momentum. So I didn't have a lot of experience running church youth groups. So I was given a book by the children's pastor called Red Moon Rising by Pete Gregg, who had started, well, God had put him on a on a journey to to pray and to bring prayer to to his youth group. So I read it and passed it along to anybody who would listen. And it was it was really interesting because in because in those days then I would go to youth pastor meetings 
And and I remember one of the one of the city worship you know worship leaders. He would you know every month put on these big worship nights, and hundreds, if not thousands, of kids would show up. And he'd be like, "Yeah, we don't quite get the prayer thing. <laughs> you can do the prayer thing, Rob. We'll do the worship thing." And, and I remember thinking, like, that's just it, it, that's so weird to me that you would even just try to separate them out because because the that book and Pete Gregg and and some of the other things that that God had been doing to to set me up to be in the prayer movement just didn't jive with that. And, you know, 15, 20 years later, we can, we can see the result. Well, it's the Lord really did marry the two together over these past 20 years, even well, right. Yeah. Like back then is they were so separate prayer and worship. We kind of separated the two, but now it just makes sense. And you, you've always been a pioneer. So like you had that on your heart way back then, which, which I think is awesome. Actually, my history with you goes back probably even further. I remember you when you worked at a fire hall. Right. Uh, I was a teenager, I think, and I came in once or twice and you were working there. And uh, I didn't go back very often, but then back at the vineyard, we ended up connecting again. So it's cool to have you on today. Yeah. So it was a Youth for Christ inner city drop-in. Yeah. So it probably was just as well that you didn't keep coming back. (laughs) I think I went there and I felt out of place because I was... I was a pastor's kid, and here there's a bunch of kids that are not in my circle, and I'm like, I feel a little bit out of place here. It's kind of cool place. They got games and stuff going on, but yeah, it was it was pretty rough. We often said people more people found gangs than found Jesus there. <laughs> uh, but even that, like 20 years later, we still have connection with a number of those families, and every once in a while we get invited out to weddings or funerals or or the like to to be part of those communities. And you planted yourself kind of in the same neighborhood. Absolutely. Still there today, so. Mm-hmm. And then we connected later on in the years. Uh, you were one of my youth leaders, or we were kind of co co leaders together, actually, mm-hmm. in house group sort of thing. So I, I don't know. I I just feel like I feel honored to have you on the podcast today because I really feel like you were part of my journey into getting into twenty four seven prayer, which was long before I even thought about being part of a house of prayer and. Even before our, when our church branched out and started the House of Prayer, you already had a vision to see a 24-7 prayer. And there was this boiler room thing happening. I was happening at the same time. I didn't know much about them either. But you had this vision to start 24-hour boiler rooms. You want to maybe share when that first, I mean, you, you talked about the book a little bit, but why did you want to bring it into our church community? You know, I think, I think there was a, I think there's a few things going on. One is that I believe that prayer needs to be accessible, not trapped in a church building and not done by churchy people. I knew that when revivals hit, you saw maybe 10% of the church praying and those are revival numbers. And I thought, well, 10% of the church praying would be unbelievably great, but it's, it's so much more fun when you see all sorts of people begin to pray. And we did all sorts of prayer experiments those two years in the vineyard. You know, I mean, certainly I had a young worship leader in my, in my youth group who just wanted to pray and do worship. So we would start our youth group meeting and then I would send Johan off to uh, the prayer room and, uh, and just let him set it up. Cause I could, you know, I could see that youth wasn't going to be his longtime calling. And that's a normal thing for, for a youth leader to, to recognize. And we had some really great devotional times at the end of a youth night because Johan had been sitting in a classroom 
worshiping and praying and we'd settle in and, and uh, it was really easy to connect with God in those places. We also did prayer labyrinths. So we'd set up this, this elaborate thing on the, on the second floor of the church and, and invite people to encounter God and to listen for how, how the Father wanted them to interact with their world as they, as they left that time of prayer. So I think that that's, that's the bigger part of my heart is that I believe that everybody was made to encounter the presence of God, uh, not just Christians and not just in the church. So what you did is you basically made on-ramps for young people to get into prayer because prayer was kind of one of those weird things that normal people didn't necessarily talk about very much or do. These labyrinths, just you talking about it now, I, I had forgotten about it, and then you bring it back to mind, but you're basically going through this maze of different stations, and you're doing different expressions of prayer like you might... I, I don't even remember what we did. You know, the, the, the big idea is that there's an inward journey, there's holy space, and then there's an outward journey. And so on the way in, and probably this is really similar to... You know, if you thought about doing a worship set or you thought about what a church service felt like, you've got an inward journey. And that is you bring a lot of crap with you into church or into prayer. And it just takes time to, to get rid of it and to even to acknowledge it. The offering forgiveness and to letting go of our hurts and figuring out what grudges we've got. That's the, that's the moving in. And then you find yourself in this holy place and you take communion or you light a candle or you just sit quietly for as long as you need to sit. And then you work your way back out and you begin to, you begin to imagine what it will be like as you leave having encountered the holy. That was the, that was the big picture. And, and of course, to make it accessible, then we had physical activities as you worked your way in and you worked your way out, which the church has always done. You know, the Catholic church put up stained glass windows and lit candles and had smoke and ashes and all sorts of physical things that made encountering the holy uh, accessible. But as a young person back then, uh, I can't even remember knowing that there was different ways to pray. And that was a good pathway forward. And I think it brought a lot of people on board to what prayer can actually look like. And then then you go and you say, okay, we're going to do this 24-hour boiler room, which I never even heard of back then. We did actually, the first that first year, we did 24-7. So we did, a tw- we did a whole week and it was followed up by another church that did a whole week and followed up by a third church that did it a whole week. So that that first year, we had probably, for the first time in a century anyway, three weeks of uninterrupted 24-hour prayer in the city of Winnipeg. And it was unbelievable. Uh, in fact, I think the guys at, a, at another church over at Gateway, they said, oh, those schmucks over at the vineyard they can pull off a week. We could do better than that. And, and, and didn't I, they run it for, for 20-some years? I don't know. It yeah, was, it was it, long. It, no, it went for a like good long time. I was very happy to be the schmuck that just Yeah, that launched them, though. <laughs> That's right. And as a young worship leader that didn't necessarily consider himself an intercessor, you would just say, yeah, take your guitar and go into a room and go play. And I was happy. I was 
I was in my happy so, place. So are we, actually. <laughs> but I'm like, this is great because I don't actually have to do the prayer thing. He's let me totally. just play guitar. It's kind of sneaky Rob there, knowing that they're kind of the same thing. And I didn't, I didn't know the difference. So I thought that was really cool. So you ran these labyrinths and you got some youth on board. Uh, but getting a whole church on board behind you to start this, what felt at the time is really radical to do 24 hours of prayer like that. I mean, it's, it's happening in a few different pockets. IHOP was doing it. We didn't hear much about them, but we know there are a few pockets doing this 24-hour prayer thing, and we were going to do it. This was crazy. felt radical. How did you get a whole church behind you to start this 24-hour boiler room? How did you get some young people behind you to... Start this thing, because I think there's some listeners that want to start something like this in their church, maybe. And so how do you how do you rally people to do this sort of thing and get leadership on board and all those dynamics? Yeah, it's it, it is a good question because I think that there's there's lots of pastors that are really freaked out by some of these things. So I think one of the things to remember is that we were in a pretty special place. Uh, we were in a pretty radical church. Uh, that was doing some really neat things with with uh, the urban poor. We didn't have a sense that all was well with the world. And if we just paid our taxes and kept our lawns clean, that the Lord would smile on us and give us a free pass. Uh, I think we knew that it was that it was bad out there, and desperate times call for desperate measures. And prayer prayer seemed like a pretty a pretty natural thing. I think the other thing that I had was, was I had the favor of the church staff and you talk about, you know, having built up some, some wins. So, you know, so one of the wins was running a good youth retreat uh, where, where we practiced some of this stuff and Pam was there and we, we prayed creatively in a uh, little photocopy room, right? Like it was, there was room for maybe two people in there. Yeah. And I think we ran it just through the night. It wasn't even like the whole weekend. We just said, okay, so starting about 10 o'clock at night, uh, you can sign up for a shift. And not even not everybody took a shift. I think most of the girls did and a few of the guys might have tried. But we just started and we and we tried it. And then in the winter, we did a, we did a prayer labyrinth and that was really fun and really cool. Uh, we invited all sorts of people, anybody who wanted to to come and try it out there were guys from a skateboard outreach who who brought you know some of their leaders in. Uh, we brought inner city drop in teenagers to to try it out. We we brought elders from the church up to to try it out. Like it was it was fun, and people could go like, okay, so we we had some we had some wins that way, and then uh, it was actually probably lots of the encouragement of Brian Curry who who helped give some of that permission, but. But I didn't. I don't know that I had. I had no opposition on on the church staff for sure. I didn't have to work really hard to to convince them. They just kept saying yes. And so then, as we went into that week of prayer, then they helped me think through lots of the lots of the questions and lots of the problems. We were an inner city church, so we had to figure out how do you get people in and out of a building that's uh, on the same corner as the hookers and the and the uh, and the drunks in and out safely at 2 a.m. These were significant questions that we had to consider. And and then we just went for it and talked about it all the time. One of the things, too, that we did even leading up to it was we preached our way into it. 
And I think you can't underestimate the power of advertising and being able to just preach your announcements. So I always say uh, I preached about two and a half sermons at the vineyard when I was a youth guy, because the first one was half a sermon. And it was it was totally based around what Pete Gregg had had written in his in his poem, uh, the vision, and and around Jeremiah's dry bones. And I knew I had something to say. I had no idea how to end it. So at some point, I just looked down at Brian Curry, who was sitting in the front row, and I said, "Yeah, that's all I got, Brian." And he popped up and finished the sermon for me. It was fantastic. And that I think that really helped get us into into thinking properly and right about uh, what a group of crazy young people could do in a prayer room. And then you got all the young people wearing the t-shirts, you see bones, I see an army. I remember seeing yeah. those everywhere. Yeah, yeah, that was good Good advertising. And it's right? actually the letter U and C. So some people would say uck bones, but I just remember that. That was great. Yeah. It's fun. <laughs> but I'm not on this episode. All of the things you're saying, I'm having mad flashbacks because I yeah. prayed in that photocopy room, I'm pretty sure, on that youth retreat because I remember signing up and like I took an hour on that thing. Well, yeah, I find yeah. it. It's so... I didn't know you were there on that Well, meeting. yeah, it's so interesting that Rob pioneers a... Uh, you know, creative prayer expression and the three of us sitting at the table, Jay, he's just behind the scenes for the recording, but, but the three of us and Rob for a season all ended up in this 24 seven prayer movement. That's now a global thing because one guy started a boiler room in England in 1990 something. And we all read the book because of Rob or whatever and did it a little bit. And now each of us are in this prayer expression called the house of prayer and still trying to find ways that make it enjoyable and engaging and creative. And so the, I don't, that's a testament though to his yeah. pioneering yeah. The, and, and going for it as a radical young person that paves ways for the rest of us to still do it to this day, truly. Mm. And Rob's moved on and he's in a different community right. now. So it's like those of you listening that have a vision to see this, maybe it's just something small, like starting a, a 24-hour boiler room, but you never know what the Lord has behind this thing and the, the types of people he's going to bring into it and the people that are going to leave and come back. Like we never even thought about this in this episode looking around no, this table. It's like, oh, we were all part of this thing. Lord, and yeah. Rob's at this table and he was kind of there at the very beginning. And it's just such an honor to have him at the table now. I just feel... He launched us. I, I feel mean, so thankful. No, really. Yeah. 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 So I think that's awesome. And actually, just the way you did it, even with the boiler room, people discovering, you know what, I can pray because you opened up the expression for them to be in the boiler room by saying, oh, you're a painter? You can pray then. You can come into the boiler room and you can paint on the walls. Or you're a worship leader? Yeah, just go in there, play your guitar. That's that's prayer. Or you just want to pr go down your prayer list and pray for family and friends? Yeah, go ahead and do that. You just opened up the door for prayer to happen and it really ignited something in our community, and we launched a house of prayer not not too many years later, and here some of us are still part of that house of prayer today. You, I think one of the one of the other critical things that I'm that I'm just considering now, too, is that it was really important that it came out of the youth group for a few reasons. One is that adults are really excited when anything comes out of the youth group. <laughs> it's true. Uh, the youngest person 
in the organization of the, of the prayer room sets the floor. So it's fi- if it's 55-year-old women putting together a prayer room, you will not get anybody younger than 50 in that prayer room. I mean, you might get a few, but they're not going to be attracted to it. Whereas if you've got 14, 16-year-olds working on the prayer room, getting sign-up sheets, putting up the decorations, then that gives permission to everybody older to, to come into the prayer room. I remember talking about that, and then the year after we'd left the vineyard to, to, plant, a, to plant another vineyard, then, then I remember going back to their prayer room, and it was 55-year-old women who had set it up, and I felt like I was walking into like my mom's house. And it didn't feel like a house of prayer to me, even though I could feel that it was a it was a great place to encounter the Lord. It didn't feel like my place to encounter the Lord. And I think that that would be a really that would be a wise thing to do would be to take the time and and nurture the young people in the and the youth group to do it. I think that's such an important thing that you said there. And even the episode before this, we were talking about raising kids in the house of prayer environment and getting them to run the meetings sort of thing. And you you saying like, that's going to be your floor. Oh no, when you said that, I just feel like, yeah, that's that's so true. Like we want to get the young people actually running this thing. Like I am already almost 40 years old. I don't want to start this thing and try to gather young people around me. Like I really felt over the past year, I want to start seeing the young people take charge and they're the ones that are, are going to get other young people in there. It's not going to be me, 40-year-old Johan. I can encourage them, but... Well, and and we want our ceiling to be their floor, right? Yeah. And let them launch just like you, you know, pioneered and launched a lot of us and probably many others. And I think, you know, one of the things that drew me into that was the creativity and the radicalness of it. And almost youth groups can get away with that, right? It's like the kids, yeah. they're cute, but they're dangerous. But these guys are radical, but they're dangerous, you know, but they get away with it because they're young. And, they get to make and, mistakes. Yeah and, yeah, and it can be rough and ugly and creative and radical because they're young. And, and But then something amazing comes out of it. And, and the lasting fruit, here we are. You know, and so that's kind of maybe it wasn't your ceiling, so to speak, but kind of like you launched us off of that. And that's that's you looking at the generation behind you and calling them into something higher. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned something about having your leadership on board when you wanted to start this and having their favor in it, so to speak. So do you have any like suggestions or advice for our listeners who want to do that but don't quite know how to get their leadership on board? It's really important to try to get into the shoes of your pastor and the leadership because God loves your pastor and everybody in the church has a different job description for him. Everybody comes to him or her every day every week with something new that they should be doing. I can't imagine if if you're in a church of 200 people, that pastor has 200 job descriptions and they just can't live up to it. So if you meet with a pastor and you use words like should, you're already done because pastors shouldn't do anything that you tell them. You're not their boss. If you can make their job easier and you can serve them, I think that's the, that's the critical piece. Like it, if you don't love your pastor and you don't have compassion for them, 
then don't even start because it, for me, that's, it's a non-starter. If you think your pastor is doing a terrible job and that's why you need to run a prayer room, then I think you just need to go back to your own prayer room and run your, run it in your basement or your own closet. Yeah. That's, that's just, that's just a non-starter. I think that, I think the other thing is, man, like get into the books of the guys that are doing it, the guys and the gals. There are so many great stories. I remember listening to, you know, St. Teresa of Avila's stuff or, uh, you know, reading Pete Gregg's Red Moon Rising and getting into his story. And there are incredible stories of, of people who began to pray. And it's not just in our generation. We're not the first generation to figure out how to pray. We're not the first generation to figure out how to do this stuff. You know, the, the monks up at Bangor ran prayer uninterrupted for 300 years, except for the few times that the Normans came in and sacked their uh, monastery. And, and there's amazing traditions in the, in the Celtic tradition, in, in the uh, Moravian tradition. Once you get outside of Europe, there's amazing traditions and stories of people carrying prayer. The South Koreans have an idea about how to do this stuff. And across the globe, the Lord moves people into prayer when he wants to do something. Yeah, prayer isn't new. <laughs> no. So find those inspirational stories and love your pastor and start with the youth group. And I can attest to you being someone that that regularly, I remember, would meet with pastors all the time. So you you knew their hearts and you seek to understand their hearts. So that advice coming from you, I, I think it carries a lot of weight is seeking to know your pastor. And you were also a pastor yourself, so... That's great advice. Yeah. We'd, I would often joke that God loved me and here comes somebody with another wonderful plan for my life. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us, Rob. It's an honor to have you on today. And now it's time for... Questions for the Oval Table. So our question today, we got a few people at the table, different people. If you had a choice in your prayer room, would you rather have a small room that feels full or would you rather have a large room where you can have your own space and spread out? You know, the prayer, the prayer room is often full of introverts, so they like that space. But some people like it nice and tight and, you know, it's intense intercession. But we might even want to lean this question towards intercession set. If you were to have an intercession set, do you want a full room in a small room, or do you want it spread out and less people and have your own space? Any opinions? I think, like, my first thought when you say, like, nice and, like, tight, all I think of is, like, a packed room and as someone that's not a big fan of physical touch from people. And this isn't COVID. Well, this is outside of I'm COVID not, right now, I'm not right? A, yeah, it's outside yeah. of COVID, but, like, my first thought is always, like, I want to just, like, hide in my chair and be like, oh, my gosh, people are going to touch me. I think from an intercession perspective, because I was prayer leading before COVID happened, and leading a set. And I think some some days it's like somewhere in between for me. Because it's like if you have two little people, you're like running around with the chicken with your head cut off. And you're like, oh my gosh, do I have to pray twice? I don't know if I have two prayers. I mean, there was one week we had to pray like three times. Because no one would pray. <laughs> I was like, I was up there. And like you pause. It's like that was a good chorus. And then you're back. And you're like, yes, Lord, do it. But somewhere in between. Because there's too many people and everybody wants to pray. Then it's like, well, who do I pick? who prayed last week and you have to like start making a list. So I think like somewhere in between, there's not like two little people 
where you have options, you have lots There's of no in between. I gave you a choice between this. All right, so I'm going to jump I in. Choose. I got opinions. Yeah. Here we go. Sorry. We got to have full room in that small, small space. Morning prayer right now is like every chair is full. We can only have 10 because of COVID, but like we are at our capacity. And you don't even have to ask people to pray. It's like everybody's praying. Everybody's praying. I remember when we were doing uh, pre-prayer services before they'd have these worship nights. Like you're just packed in there. You're just praying for the event. You're all given or it's just a small group of people. The worship later might be like a big venue. Maybe there's lots of people. Maybe there's not that many, but it was that prayer time where you're like just brothers and sisters in Christ going for it. I love that. Give me that every day. How about Rob, our, our guest on today? Do you have any thoughts? Well, I, I, I also am an introvert. And, but I think that, uh, I think that when you're, when you want to have a big meeting, like when you want to do something, you want to make it feel like it's an event. It makes it a lot easier to introduce new people. An empty room is way more intimidating than a full room. So that so that's where I'd go. Like, if you want more people to visit, then make it feel full as opposed to feeling empty. That's a good. That's a good thought. I never thought of that. Still sounds like a lot of people wanting to lay hands on you, man. <laughs> I'm kind of siding with Jehu myself. Like, I'm an introvert, but man, those marketplace prayer meetings. You don't have to ask anyone to pray because everybody's gonna pray. And like, you know, I joined the prayer movement because I'm in this thing. To pray, I mean, I I have my bedroom if I want to be alone in an empty space, so I could do that there. So It totally depends, too, because yeah. I got the chance to go to Pete Gregg's prayer room in London, and you walk in, you, like, you book a time, and there's maybe one or two other people in the room, and that's awesome. There's a, there's a corporateness to that, too. You get to walk around and see people's prayers written on the wall or, or written on books, and... And so there's a there's a corporateness to that that feels you know an empty room can feel crowded, but it's but it's quiet and it's more reflective. But when it comes to praying together and and having a meeting, an an empty room, people are gonna stand at the door and go, oh, everybody's gonna notice me if I come in. So it, it a full room is actually helpful for introverts. Mm-hmm. I guess it depends on what you're building too. I mean, like if I have to pick one or the other instead of having in between. Um, I don't think I have relied you on myself. COVID's think- awesome for introverts, right? Because it's like, <laughs> please don't touch me. I'm actually like, believe it or not, I'm an extrovert, but like, just don't touch me. Right. But I'm super extrovert. Like, everybody come over, but like, you're like six an feet extrovert away. trapped like, in an introvert's body. Yeah. It's like, I can never like settle on one thing because, like, as we know, I don't settle on an opinion. But if I have to, I think I would go for the smaller space with more people just because it's like, again, with those marketplace prayer meetings, I'm not a morning person, but I get up for them. And then go back to bed after. But there's a sense of community and just a place to really be vulnerable and real with the Lord that you can't trade for anything, even coming into that bigger community later on. That impacts the bigger community in a way. And when people do come in, we're like, whoa, these people really know each other. Look at how they joke around. So you want me to delete your first answer um, and add that one? I feel like you could put, yeah, delete that one or just pull what you did with the other one. I, we don't usually delete anything on this segment, so. <laughs> Not usually. <laughs> But I, I, you know what, if, you're, if you don't have a prayer room yet and you're building something, I would say don't get a giant room and expect it to be filled the first day. Maybe start in your living room or your basement and build through people, not space. It's not uh, build it and they will come. It's uh, Keep extra chairs in the back yeah. so that it looks like, oh, 
More people came than we expected. Maybe throw some jackets on those chairs. Right. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, no. Pull up, pull. If you're expecting 20 people, put out 15 chairs. Mm. Rapid fire two people. You keep going in circles. I feel like yep. someone would get really dizzy at a moment, and then we were just like <laughs> not able to pray. Okay, we're going to wrap up this segment. What do you, what would you prefer, our listeners? We'd like to know your opinions. You can let us know on our social media, which you can find at burningrooms.ca. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and the links to that is on our website. We'd love to hear from you. And we also have a Patreon if you want to join and see our video version and all the ridiculousness that happens behind the scenes. So this is the conclusion of our episode. It's been a great episode. I really like this one. My heart is like stirred and I'm excited for you to listen to it. I can't wait. Gonna have to wait a few weeks until it comes out. Until next time, my name is Johan. I'm Pam. Hey, and I'm Rob. And this has been the Burning Rooms Podcast. <laughs> it should be a prayer cast. That's what it really should be. We're ending it there. I love that. I love that. I heard the burning breakfast. <laughs> <laughs>